It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hand. And Benjamin Solak. How old are you? It's the Kissed and Solak Show. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 31. Brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work for InsideThePilot.com, BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, I am joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation. And NDTScouting.com is where you can find his excellent draft work. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, it's been a fun ride so far how you doing brother Uh, every day is a good day especially during the draft time mike and yeah the first round was an absolute blast i mean from from the perspective of a fan of the nfl draft it was a wonderful time from the perspective of being an eagle fan it was a wonderful time drew pearson announcing that the eagles a super bowl champion Mm. ryan shazier walking across the stage to bring in the steelers pick i mean come on and then eight trades in the first round five quarterbacks in the first round rashad penny out of nowhere terrell edmonds out of nowhere just an insane first round everything you could have asked for after a draft cycle like this so you know thank god wonderful time and uh i'm excited day two is going to be fun now the eagles start making picks and so that's going to be a a fun shift from how it was in the first round yeah and before we get into what the eagles can do will do and some of the more general takes of the nfl draft who won who lost i think it's important to note ben that on our over under wager i am smashing you i went all in on the saquon barkley at two picks so i can't wait to see what your punishment is gonna be gentle listeners tweet at us let us know what ben has to do as his punishment for losing to me once barkley went at two i needed right well i needed (laughs) to get like a couple more things later i needed to get uh you know Tremaine Edmonds before Roquan Smith. I needed to get Derwin before Minka. And just the guys, the the horses I backed just fell. Like nobody had Tremaine getting all the way to 16. And then Buffalo goes up and trades up for him, right? And then Derwin to 17 was conceived as as his absolute floor. Derwin uh, to 7 
to the Buccaneers, had all the heat in the world, and the Bucs just traded right out of that spot, which, from what we're coming to understand now, Buffalo had a deal in place with the Broncos at five. It was locked and loaded. And then Bradley Chubb fell to five, which was ne- the, the Broncos did not anticipate happening. And once that happened, they backed out of the deal and took Chubb. And so now the Bills had to go find a trade partner. That's why they had traded with the Bucs at seven. So I don't think the Bucs had a plan to leave seven until about two minutes before they did it. Derwin very likely could have gone there. But also Buffalo paid the Bucs for seven as if they were paying for like four or three. It was the same. Right. That you know that was the deal they likely had in place with with the with the Broncos, and then they had to deal with the Bucks. The Bucks, fantastic trade for them. I'm not in love with the Vita Vea pick, but that was to me that was the most lopsided trade. That was a post I did for NDT scouting. That was the most lopsided trade of the, the evening. Whereas the Lamar Jackson trade for Philadelphia was relatively even as far as the Eagles got good pick value back pretty decently, and then the Ravens also got good player value back by getting in a, a rookie quarterback with a lot of potential with a fifth-round option on his contract. Yeah, and the interesting thing for me, and we'll parse this out into into the three pieces that you touched on, Josh Allen at seven to the Bills seems like all the excuses that have been made for Josh Allen in college are now very, very real in the NFL. That receiving core is not good. There are mm-hmm. questions as far as whether uh, Deion Dawkins can develop as a starting tackle. Their other tackle, it, it's it's unsure what is his name, Mills or, or whatever his name is. The, the interior could use an upgrade. LaShawn McCoy is about to hit 30 during this offseason. Josh Allen does not have a whole lot of help, and they don't have a whole lot of ammo to get him help. So that is a, a seriously bad landing spot for Josh Allen. If he comes out of this on top in the next few years, then everyone was completely wrong about him, and I'll be happy to to admit that. Uh, like you said, the Bucks trade back to 12. They get Vita Vea to shore up the inside of that line. That pick didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i always for building through the trenches, but Derwin there seemed like a slam dunk. And then we talk about the Eagles trade the with the uh, getting out of 32. And when we thought that it might have been at 30 or, or possibly 31 or the, the, the New England Patriots passing on Lamar Jackson was the first shoe that dropped or it's actually the second shoe that dropped because when the Saints traded up to 15, we mm-hmm. were sure. 14. It was for Lamar Jackson. 14. Yeah, that's right. And instead, they come up and get a raw prospect that may not help them win, win right away. And UTSA edge rusher Marcus Davenport, I really thought Shane, Shane Pay, uh, Sean Payton was moving up for Lamar Jackson. So that was a shocker. So going to the Eagles trade, let's let's touch on that. And then we'll, we'll talk about some more general things. The Eagles move back from 32. They receive the 52nd overall pick. So they go from 132 to 125. The key here to all of this is Baltimore's 2019 second round pick. There are, and I put this out last night, the top like 18 players left on my board. The Eagles could select any of them. And it would be a good pick. They pick in 19 picks. And even the five guys after that, I, I wasn't even including Jesse Bates, the, the safety out of Wake Forest, or Ronnie Harrison, the safety out of Alabama. There is a ton of talent left on the board for the Eagles. They've given themselves the ammo to move around to get a good player at 52. And then also on the back end, you get a higher pick in the fourth round. You can couple that with some later later picks if someone else falls and get a really good guy. So I feel really good about this for the Eagles. I, I, I've said it for, for months that I wanted Darius guys. I get that. But as we were all sitting there pre-show and even when the pick came up, the obvious move was to trade back because of the talent left there on the board. Absolutely. To me, uh, I look at this and, and and I assign the value to the picks based off of uh, a reactive value assigning chart, which is a chart that every year when pick for pick trades are made during the draft, 
the the chart adjusts to account for those trades. So over the years, it gets better and better at figuring out how much teams value certain picks, right? Like where the value drops off, where it's heavy. On that chart, the Ravens paid about a dollar and twenty three cents on the dollar to get the Eagles pick. That's great. Mm. That, that that's that's a nice return. It's a decent return. It's a fair return. When you know a team's coming up for a quarterback and you know a team's coming up for that fifth year option, it's not going to be one to one. You know, it's going to be a little bit skewed that way. Philadelphia got a great return, Mike. Right now, we're looking at a team that, if we're projecting compensatory picks, which is difficult, we're expecting around eleven or twelve picks for the Eagles in twenty nineteen. That's mm. pretty huge. That's great, especially for a team that's going to be potentially losing a good deal of talent in the 2018-2019 season as the cap becomes tighter moving forward. That's that's the reality for Philadelphia. Obviously, you know, it's, a, it's still a long ways away. It's more fun to enjoy the draft and enjoy the moment. But preparing for the 2019 draft is a really smart move, in my opinion. And I like that, that 2019 second. You throw in the fact that Philadelphia has still the two-fourths this year, as well as the fifth, sixth, and seventh, that to me really provide minimal, if any, value to this team. And I fully expect that the Eagles will be more active on the trade market today than they even were yesterday. Only one trade mm. yesterday. I would expect multiple trades today. Uh, you do have, I think, a solid potential to trade up from 52 uh, as your targets start to drop because mm-hmm. there were, you know, easily we could say five names, Dallas Goddard, Connor Williams, Ronald Jones, Darius Geis, Tyrell Crosby, guys at 32 would have been justified who are felt who are going to fall in the second round. They're going to be available in the 40s, right? And so as a result, you may see the Eagles bump up if one of their desirable targets at 32 drops and that's fine. There's no reason for the Eagles to make a sixth round pick. This roster is so good that a sixth round pick is going to be, they're going to struggle to stick on the roster, man. So trade that sixth, move up to 45 and go get a guy who you really think is going to be valuable to your team. So I think we could see a trade up and then certainly in the third round, I expect Philadelphia to be making a lot of calls depending on who falls and where they fall. I expect them to be willing to move players. Michael Kendricks is the big name to circle uh, in that way because this Eagles team needs to get a little bit younger. For sure. After the Super Bowl, that's what happens. And, and and Kendricks probably doesn't have a long-term spot on this team, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him dealt. I, I expect the Eagles to make two picks today, for sure. Yeah, and this is kind of the scenario that we proposed the other day, the old trade-back, trade-up sandwich, and it's working out really well for the Eagles. They have the ability to move around. And just some names at the top. I mean, Darius Geis is still out there. Uh, Harold Landry, who apparently has a medical concern, the edge rusher out of Boston College, uh, that's not ankle related, which he was dealing with that ankle injury throughout all last season. He fell uh, every time a team moved up or a team was on the board that needed an edge rusher. We for sure thought it was going to be Harold Landry until we found out about the medical flag. So who knows how far he falls? Mo Hurst, the defensive tackle out of Michigan. Mm. He falls. He's still on the board because we of that heard he's going to be a day three pick, man. That's wild. You still got Will Hernandez out there as far as the offensive lineman from, from UTEP. James Daniels from Iowa. Connor Williams from Texas is out there. Tyrell Crosby's on the board. Nick Chubb, Karrion Johnson, like Ronald Jones, Isaiah Oliver, the, the cornerback out of Colorado. There are so many good players. Austin Corbett, the guard out of Nevada. Fred Warner, the linebacker at BYU. There are so many different options for the Eagles with, without an immediate need to really just get the best guy. And if they really find one attractive, they have the ammo to move back up with no problem. So I'm really looking forward to tonight, how how things shake out. 
Uh, ben, anything else on the Eagles uh, p- uh, pick or trade before uh, before we start laughing at some of these other teams? I mean, I'm always down to laugh at the other teams, but I will say this. There are a couple positions that I would avoid with the pick at 52 right now, solely because of when I look at the draft and I look at the classes that are remaining, I think that it would be a little irresponsible to go there given where some positions are strong and some positions are weak. So, for example, I think this is a great time, uh, you know, to go after like a linebacker. At this point, there are really only three linebackers that I would feel comfortable taking around 52. Sean Dion Hamilton out of Alabama, uh, Fred Warner out of BYU, and then Jannard Avery out of Memphis. After that, I, I, I get very worried about this linebacker class. I think that it's weak in round three, and I think round four players are going to go in round three, and I think round five players are going to go in round four. So if you want a value at linebacker, this is where I would take it. Uh, I would stay away from wide receivers. There, there's, this class is too good in the later rounds with, with so much thickness, with so much talent. And honestly, though they're going to be elite safeties dropping, I feel kind of similarly about that as well. Justin yeah. Reed, Jesse Bates, and, and Ronnie Harrison out of Stanford, Wake Forest, and Alabama, respectively, are good players who would be worth the pick at 52. But the safety class is very strong on day three. And so to me, I would be okay with jumping over that class as well. I look at it, you can go offensive tackle with one of those round four selections. Even a late round three if the Eagles move up like I anticipate. And and there's some good value there. But I think Connor Williams and Tyrell Crosby are starting offensive tackles in this league. And they're available on day two. So that's an excellent value at a position of need. That's where I would be looking. And then also, depending on what you want at corner, now may be the time. It's tougher to find a guy with boundary starting potential in round three and round four. You can find starting nickels in round three and round four. And if that's all Philadelphia wants, they should slow play it. But if they want a guy who can potentially step in for Ronald Darby, then now is the time. You've got, like you said, Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado, uh, Carlton Davis out of Auburn. Quentin Meeks out of Stanford, you know, and then even Duke Dawson out of Florida a little bit later in the second. Mm -hmm. These are guys that I think they should be looking at in that regard. So uh, there's a post up on Bleeding Green Nation about this, trying to uh, riddle out the positional value. You can go up and take a look. But it's going to be exciting to see how Philadelphia approaches this. They're by no way, shape, or form done moving. So just make sure, you know, when 7 Eastern rolls around, you've got your eyes glued to the television. You're scrolling through Twitter because I guarantee you plates are going to shift. Yeah, and also we are going to be live on Facebook for Bleeding Green Nation. We did it last night. We did the four-hour stream. We're going to be doing it again tonight for the second and third round, day two of the NFL draft. Make sure you tune into that. And speaking of things up on BleedingGreenNation.com, I just submitted the article. It might be up by the time that this show goes up. The good, the bad, and the ugly of the draft. And a couple of guys that that I targeted as good. Number one, uh, the Cleveland Browns get their quarterback in Baker Mayfield and signifies something that could be a major culture change for a team that needs a guy that plays with a boulder on his shoulder like Baker Mayfield does. I really like that pick. I mean, I thought it should have been Darnold, but I'm totally fine with Baker Mayfield. He's my quarterback, too, and he brings that swag to the team. The Packers moving back and getting Jair Alexander a definite need. And not only does it address a need, it also addresses a shift in philosophy from what they've done before. Uh, Ted Thompson would have never taken a cornerback under 5'10 and a half. Jair Alexander comes in at 5'10 and one fourth. He was a top 10 prospect for both of us. We were heartbroken when he came off the board. It's a fantastic pick for the Packers. Uh, and then the other one that makes a whole lot of sense for me, the Tennessee Titans at 22nd overall, they move up because Rashawn Evans 
ratings fell a little bit. We thought it was for Landry because they have a need at edge rusher. However, they get a guy who in passing situations, Rashawn Evans is a very good edge rusher. So not only does he fill the role that Avery Williamson uh, Williamson had as an off-ball linebacker, as a run defender, brings a little bit more as a pass coverage guy. And then on third down, you can bring him down and bring him off the edge. I really like those three picks. No, for sure. And I was really, really impressed by what happened in Green Bay because they got a first round pick to move mm. back four spots and draft the guy they were probably going to take at 14, right? Yep. I mean, maybe it was going to be, if, if you look at the guys who we thought were options, the only one that perhaps it could have been at 14 that they weren't able to grab was Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker out of Virginia Tech, because the Buffalo Bills moved up to 16 to get him. But even then, I would have anticipated that, that Alexander would have been higher on their board than Edmonds. And they draft a guy they, they would have taken at 14 and get a 2019 first. That's ridiculous. And that's what happens when you have capital throughout the draft. The Packers ha- had about 11 picks coming into the night last night. And so you can only think about what will happen with Howie in 2019 when he comes in with, with a load of compensatory picks. And now he gets to move around because he has so much capital. That's what's very exciting. So this draft uh, you know, for Philadelphia might not get that thrilling in that way. But I think it's going to be a fantastic time. I will say that the team that really impressed me the most, even with the pick that I didn't like too much, is the Baltimore Ravens with Hayden Hurst. Because Baltimore did a fantastic job. Uh, they, we knew they wanted to trade back. And they bounced trade back, but they never, you know, took deals that they had no business taking. You know, Seattle, the deal for 18 was not good enough for the 18th overall pick when they moved back with Green Bay, but they took it anyway because they wanted to trade back so desperately. Baltimore got good value both of the times they traded back uh, with the Buffalo Bills for 16 and then with the, the Tennessee Titans for 22. They got good return on value, but they also did a great job acknowledging all right, our biggest needs are wide receiver and tight end, and no big names are really going to go before 25. Right. And then so we don't have we, we can bounce back, still get our guy, accumulate, day, you know, day three picks that maybe they don't mean a lot right now, but they're going to mean a little bit more later. Uh, they still get their guy. And then that accumulation of picks is what allows them to say, let's move up to 32 and go get Lamar Jackson. So very active first round for the Ravens. I thought they did a great job. I will say though, Mike, we should take a moment to to thank the NFC East because I think the the Cowboys, the Giants and the, the Redskins went over three as far as how I would have approached the board uh, if I were making those picks. I think all three of them left talent on the table. They could still get good players. But to me, you know, the Eagles are in a clear lead as far as uh, first round grade for the NFC East. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I mean, the Cowboys bring in a guy who was flagged by five teams for a spinal issue in Leighton Vander Esch, the linebacker out of Boise State at 19. So you put him in a, in a crew of guys with Sean Lee, who can never see the field. Jalen Smith, who may never be the same, which is a shame with that knee because he was a fantastic talent before he tore his knee up in that bowl game against Ohio State while he was at Notre Dame. And you bring in a guy with more medical concerns. I'm just not sure what the the risk reward there. It just seems so off kilter and you don't get any offensive help. I thought they it's weird, man. The the Dallas Cowboys just seem like a team that that are never going to figure out the whole picture, at least the way that Howie Roseman sees it. And let's talk about Deron Payne. Vita Vea to the Washington Redskins was in marker, really. And then mm-hmm. they get him sniped at 12 right in front of them by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who probably I thought they were going to go Derwin James like we talked about. But then they panic and then they reach for a need and they go with the Ron Payne, a guy who has three career sacks and has some serious pad level issues. And I, I just I, it didn't make any sense for me. I thought that there was some top tier cornerback talent on the board for them. There were some other guys they could have taken. Uh, I didn't like the pick at all. And then, of course, 
Oh, the the best moment for us leading into the draft and in the top five picks. We were all awaiting it. We were we we cheered on the Facebook live stream for Bleeding Green Nation when Saquon Barkley went at number two to yeah. the New York Giants. You have to know that they had offers of multiple first round picks for that selection. They had offers before from the Jets, probably with multiple second round picks to move up and go get a quarterback. And they sat there and they treated the draft like it was 1980. And they took a freaking running back when you need offensive line help, when you need an heir apparent at quarterback, when you need defensive edge help, when you need defensive secondary help. They have so many needs on that team. By the time that they get to the point, if they ever do with Gettleman, because I don't think he's a good GM. I don't think he ever has really been. It's By the time that they're ready to compete with Barkley, Barkley is going to be no the shelf life on running backs in the NFL isn't to the point where you can have a bad line like that, not get beat up, try to rely on him. And he's going to get 400 touches in a year. And the next year he's going to be worth nothing. I mean, that's we've seen that a thousand times with these high volume backs and they're going to have to give him the ball a lot to be successful with that offense. Dave Gettleman cited uh, Jonathan Stewart, the, the running back out of Carolina that he just acquired in free agency. As an example of how running backs don't depreciate in overtime and of how running backs, you know, are, are, are going to be valuable pieces for 10 plus years, which even if that's true, then you literally just made the point that you can just get running backs in free agency <laughs> who are going to be effective. You just drafted a running back at two and then to explain why it was a good pick, talked about how you brought in a good running back in free agency on a very cheap deal. You are dumb. He had negative eight yards against the Eagles last year. He's got nothing left in the tank to cite that. Oh, my God, dude. I can't. I can't. The the NFL in the media needs to be smarter than everybody else. And so we just the NFL just keeps the same tired narratives going and, and, and plays by the same old archaic rules in an event to just preserve this sense of elitism within the NFL minds. That's what this is about. I wrote about this last night for NDT Scouting. Lamar Jackson falling uh, without an agent down to 32. And how it's a, it's, it's a unprecedented case. And it's going to change the way the NFL draft is approached in five years. If Lamar is good and gets a starting mm-hmm. job and plays well for the Ravens, you're going to see a lot more players not have an agent. Uh, and if Lamar is bad, you're going to hear a lot of agents telling NFL teams, oh, he would have been, or telling NFL draft prospects, he would have been good if he had an agent. You know, we would have been able to get him to a better spot and help him out more and get him with a coach, so on and so forth. So this is, this is, you know, this is very much so a watershed draft. It is an inflection point draft. Things are going to change after here because two very competing ideologies are going up against one another. And Dave Gettleman is the mascot for the, you know, the old way, the tried and true way, the NFL way. And, you know, we'll see how it holds up. But if I'm guessing, it's, uh, it's this, that was a bad choice. Yeah, you could say that. And I was talking about this on the stream last night. This is what Gettleman has done so far in New York. He gave Kareem Martin who has three and a half career sacks in in four years, a three-year, $15 million contract. He gave Nate Solder. He made Nate Solder the highest-paid offensive lineman in the league. He was 44th out of 55th in Pro Football Focus's uh, pass-blocking efficiency metric last year. He was also rumored to be retiring. Uh, He he dealt JPP. He brings in uh, another deal. Uh, for a bad linebacker in Alec Ogletree, uh, it's just, oh my God, it's it's been so bad the entire way with Gettleman. I, it doesn't look better. And speaking of, the, well, I'm gonna, I want to hit on two more picks that absolutely blew my mind before we get out of here. We got a lot of content to, to put out there and we got a lot of prep to do. 
uh, but two picks that absolutely blew my mind. You're the Seattle Seahawks, and you trade back to 27 in a deal that wasn't all that great, as you pointed out. And you have four offensive line spots that you need to upgrade to if you even want to sniff at getting a running game going or protect you know, your franchise quarterback, Russell Wilson. You take Rashad Penny at 27th overall. And not only that, you can't, you can't protect against the pass rush. Rashad Penny is the worst pass protector as a running back in this class, hands down. Ben, mm-hmm. this pick makes no sense to me. I think that John Snyder isn't as good of a GM as we thought he was, which I think it's a reasonable yep. mistake that we made because he was very good at the end of the draft. But in the beginning of the draft, he's been buns. And, and, and it's very interesting because if you look at a lot of his moves, to me, they seem reactive. Yeah, they drafted three running backs in 2016, which was the year after Marshawn Lynch got badly hurt and they weren't able to be a successful running team. Right. Then you come into the next season, into the 2016 season. That's the season where Oral Thomas gets hurt at the end of the season. It kind of derails their playoff stuff. He brought in three safeties in 2017. Now you go into the 2017 season. They cannot generate a run game whatsoever. And what's his first pick in the first round? It's a running back. It seems to me that he is constantly trying to correct. He's trying to correct last year's problems instead of anticipate two years down the road. Right. That's that. Yeah. like just looking and, and, and I have spent 85 seconds on the Seattle Seahawks draft. You know, I could be like totally shooting off the hip and be completely wrong. But this is what it looks like for me at, at a cursory glance. And we have to talk about that. And Seattle, the Seahawks have to talk about that because you can't be drafting for 2017 and 2018. because Your team's going to look different and yeah. the league is going to be different. You've got to be able to anticipate like that. So I think the Seahawks took a step back. I think the Niners didn't do much to scare me. Uh, you know, as far as bringing a Mike McGlinchey doesn't much move yeah. the needle. Uh, probably moving on from Trent Brown, but you know, uh, uh, they need an offensive line though. You know, that's good to get depth there. The Niners are going to be a good team, whatever. Rams didn't make a pick. Uh, I think the Saints made it very clear that they're either going to win now or they're out. You know, like they, right. they're they're either going to win the Super Bowl next year or it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild process for them. They're trying to capitalize on Drew Brees' final years. Minnesota, I like the Mike Hughes pick, but I think they could have gotten better value on the offensive line. Uh, that said, yeah. if they're able to get good offensive linemen in the second round, I think Hughes will be a great player for them. So the Vikings did well. The two teams that really in the NFC, I think, took significant step forwards is going to be the Green Bay Packers. Uh, by bringing in Jairi Alexander, by accumulating some more picks. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be coming back. They've got to get offensive linemen, but they should be good. And then finally, I think the uh, the Atlanta Falcons, without adding Cavill and Ridley, really is going to shore up that offense. Yes. They're going to be a, um, a very productive, dangerous team week in and week out. So those are the teams in the NFC I'd circle who, who improved their ability to hang with Philadelphia, allegedly, a little bit better. Yeah, I really like that Ridley pick. That gives them three very good pass catchers in that offense. They could have gone Taven Bryan there, the defensive lineman out of Florida. He ends up going to the Jaguars. They make a strength to strength. I love that pick for them. One last one before we get going, Ben. One last head scratcher. 28th overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers need a safety. And with Stanford's Justin Reed, Alabama's Ronnie Harrison, and Wake Forest's Jesse Bates on the board, along with several other safeties I had higher than, than Terrell Edmonds. He didn't crack my top 100. Uh, they go with Terrell Edmonds from Virginia Tech. Uh, they they have to get better in man coverage. Tom Brady is absolutely going to pick them apart. Uh, pick them apart one more time in the playoffs because of it. I don't know, man. Ben, what else do we have for the gentle gentle listeners? We don't have Terrell Edmonds, which is good news. Uh, listen, <laughs> as always, thank you so much for uh, listening to the Kist and Solak Show here, presented to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. We always do appreciate it. It is. 
not draft season. It is draft. It is just the draft. And so we're very excited to be popping out quick episodes for you guys, just giving you guys our quick thoughts on what happened. Uh, and we'll be doing the same thing after day two and day three, probably a lot more Philadelphia news to discuss. Uh, we'll be able to talk about scheme fits. We'll be able to talk about what we would have done. We'll be able to talk about what it may mean for the depth chart moving forward. And that's all as the Eagles make their selections. Of course, as Mike said, make sure you're following uh, BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN Radio. And you're following them on Facebook at well, BGN Radio, uh, because we'll be on the live broadcast again for day two talking about the picks as they happen, coming right off of the cuff, and discussing what Philadelphia could do, all of the options. And that's a great time with the crew, James Seltzer, Vince Quinn, Brandon Lee Gowan, and of course, John Barshard. So make sure you just come and hang out. It's a fantastic time. Other than that, follow along on Bleeding Green Nation if you can't with a live update blog. That's always there to give you a taste of what's happening if you're unable to do through other sources. And of course, all of our written analysis will be there as well. Thank you so much, man. It's draft time. This is it. It's game time, Mike. It's a good time. Let's go. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Stretch your hand and I'm going to chop it off. I dare you ask for a favor from your boss's boss. Shrimp, scampi, angel head noodles, white wine sauce. Rwanda and a Ross. Reload the Nina Ross. Settle metal when I'm focused on the green dinero. Hocus pocus, Gucci loafers, cake with bacon soda. Cake for soldiers moving weight from Maine to Nova Scotia. Bang revolvers, problem solvers, that pain the mothers. Lost a child, clips from playing when they hear the loud. Nightmares, walking dead cause they sleep again. You either sheep or shit, be scared and cut the pieces. I lust for custom coops with the honey mustard features. Butterfly doors, a whore that makes wine or sober. Her beauty stunning, plus she funny, that's the